As Persons Unknown has been going for a couple of months now, I thought it was time I introduced myself. My name is John, I live in Cardiff, Wales, and I write, present and produce this podcast. I wanted to take this opportunity to say hi and to thank you for listening. I've been encouraged by your feedback and it's so lovely to see people have been listening from all over the world. Some of you have been asking how to support the podcast and honestly the best way is to tell your friends about it. You can do this in person or by sharing and recommending on social media. Giving a five-star review on your app and subscribing also warms my heart. Occasionally, on the weeks there isn't a full-length Persons Unknown episode, I will release bonus minisodes such as this one. These will cover cold cases that do not have enough researchable material available for a full episode, but are stories that are nevertheless worth telling. This minisode focuses on a John Doe case from Wales. John or Jane Doe cases are notoriously hard to solve when the identity of the murder victim is a mystery. It is extremely difficult to ascertain a motive and compile a list of potential suspects. By sharing what is known about this investigation, my hope is that a person's memory may be jogged and someone will remember something that could lead to a breakthrough in this case. Clarkinog Forest is situated in North Wales, straddling the West Denbyshire and East Conway regions. It's near the small town of Rhythin and close to Lynbrenig Reservoir, a popular sailing location. It covers about 100 square kilometres and consists mainly of carnivorous softwoods. It is a remote area, famed as one of the last remaining habitats of the red squirrel and pine martin. People are drawn to this area by its remoteness and beauty, and they come from afar to partake in various outdoor activities such as hiking, mountain biking and wild camping. As well as being a haven for outdoor enthusiasts, Clarkinog Forest regularly provides a stunning backdrop to one stage of the Wales Rally GB event. Wales has held the UK leg of the World Rally Championships since 2000. It was the rally that brought two brothers to the locality on Saturday the 14th of November 2015. Andrew and Mark Middle were big rally fans and travelled to the area to experience the event. Rather than stay in a hotel or hostel, the brothers decided to make a weekend of it and wild camp out in the forest. They found what they thought was the perfect spot and set up camp, but the trip was not to be the enjoyable break the middle brothers had hoped for. Not far from their campsite, as they searched for firewood, one of the brothers discovered some bones. It didn't take long for them to realise that these were human remains. They notified the police straight away, who were on the scene in no time, beginning an investigation. The painstaking search for clues and evidence lasted weeks after the body was discovered. The Welsh weather lived up to its stereotype, and heavy rain hampered efforts. But the team were undeterred, and forensic experts continued to carry out fingertip searches of the area, in an attempt to find any evidence that might point to the person's identity and how they had died. The skeletonized body, which was protected by a plastic tarpaulin, could not be removed until the area had been thoroughly combed for clues. 
soil and vegetation samples were taken from the undergrowth to see if the length of time the body had lain in that spot could be calculated. It was unclear if the remains were male or female, so missing persons lists of both were searched from across the UK. When the team was satisfied they had collected all the information they could from the forest location, the body was removed and forensic tests were carried out in the lab. The police revealed the following conclusions. The body had been in the woods for a significant length of time, initial estimates being between 15 and 25 years, giving a 10-year window from 1995 to 2005. The body was confirmed as being male, aged at least 54, but probably in his 60s. He was between 5 foot 8 and 5 foot 10 inches tall, with a fairly stocky build. Pathology tests showed the man had died from significant blunt trauma to the head. He had dentistry work carried out equivalent to that used in the UK between 1980 and 2000. The post-mortem showed he had suffered from arthritis and an inflammatory joint condition. A previous spine injury in his mid to lower back would have been painful and likely reduced his mobility enough to have been noticeable. There was also an injury to his left wrist, and he had a broken nose. A badly decomposed pair of red Marks and Spencer's underpants, waist size 36 to 39 inches, and a dark green Pringle jumper, size extra large, were recovered close to the remains. The North Wales Police started a murder inquiry, their assumption being that the man was killed elsewhere and his body brought to the forest location in order to hide it. This was not the first time a murder victim had been disposed of in Clochinog Forest. Edward Carthy's mutilated body was found in the dense woodland in 1996. The 28-year-old from Birkenhead near Liverpool was the second victim of serial killer Peter Moore. Peter Moore had always displayed an interest in film and theatre and became a successful local business owner and proprietor of several cinemas in the North Wales region. He was well known in the area as a bit of an eccentric and locals nicknamed him the Man in Black because of his penchant for wearing black leather clothes. Underneath his quirky persona lay a dark heart and sinister fantasies. Between the months of September and December 1995, Peter Moore, who was 56 at the time, stabbed to death four men in the North Wales area, disposing of their bodies near small rural towns. In addition to Edward Carthy, his victims were Henry Roberts, age 56, Keith Randalls, age 49, and Anthony Davis, age 40. Moore was obsessed with far-right ideology, and in particular, Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party. Moore's attacks targeted the LGBTQ plus community, with three of his four victims being gay. He would often meet his victims in gay bars or known hangouts in North Wales or nearby Merseyside, and would then drive them to a remote location and murder them. Moore deployed a degree of overkill in the attacks, 
with dozens of stab wounds being inflicted on the bodies. His motive for the murders, in his own words, were fun and a sense of enjoyment. During his trial, he blamed the murders on a secret homosexual lover called Jason, named after the character Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th series of films. The jury didn't buy his ludicrous attempts to avoid culpability, and in November 1996 he was found guilty for the four murders and sentenced to life imprisonment. After news of the discovery of the Clochinog Forest Man hit the press, Peter Moore contacted the police, saying that he knew the name of the mystery man. Moore's attempt to inject himself into the investigation, coupled with the location where the remains were found, meant police were eager to speak to him. There was speculation that Moore himself may well be the killer. Moore met with North Wales police detectives and claimed that the Clochinog Forest man was a University of Aberystwyth first-year mature student who had vanished in 1996. The name of this man has not been released, but it is speculated that he was referring to Roger Evans, aged 46, from Bradley near Stoke-on-Trent, who was studying at the University of Aberystwyth and vanished on the 16th of January, 1996. After several interviews with Moore, the police announced that the information he had given them did not add up with the timeline they had developed, and they were content that it was not pertinent to the case. They were also confident that Peter Moore himself had nothing to do with the murder of the Kokainog Forest Man. One of the reasons that they were sure of this was the police had refined their estimate for the time frame when the body was placed in the woods. The Pringle jumper or sweatshirt that was found at the site of the remains was dated as being made between the years 2000 and 2004. By this time, Peter Moore was already in prison, serving his life sentence. The Marks and Spencer's underpants were sold between 1999 and 2000. Further analysis of the forest floor led police to state that the body was likely placed there around 2004 to 2010. There have been numerous appeals by police and press articles about the Clochinog Forest man, but he remains unidentified. The police have also produced an image of what the man may have looked like, which can be viewed on persons and known Facebook and Instagram feeds. A DNA profile has been compiled, but does not match anyone in the National DNA Database or the Missing Persons DNA Database. There are some clues hidden in the information we do have that could help identify this man. Based on isotope analysis of his teeth, we know that the man was born before 1950. People born in the 50s and 60s have relatively high levels of strontium-90 in their teeth, caused by more than 400 atomic bomb tests that were carried out around the world during this time. This element was not found at those levels in the Clochinog forest man's teeth. Dental records show that he had poor access to dental treatment when he was young, but had extensive and costly treatment carried out probably in the 1980s. The Pringle jumper found at the scene is also not cheap and had a retail price of several hundred pounds. This is a person who certainly at the time he died had considerable disposable income 
but maybe had come from more humble, impoverished beginnings. Could the man's wealth be a motive for the murder? The multiple serious injuries to his bones could mean that he was involved in a car accident or some other high-impact collision at some point in his life. The injury to his spine was so severe he may have received assistance and possibly carers or support workers. Many appeals have been made and missing persons databases have been searched but to no avail. It would be expected that someone in his life would be missing this man, unless of course his death was at the hands of those closest to him. This points to a possibility that the man was killed by someone close to him. The location where the body was left points to an offender who knows the area and probably lives in the region, either in North Wales or the northwest of England. This spot could well have been chosen to hide the body precisely because it had been used previously by Peter Moore. The murderer may have been hoping that if their victim was discovered, it would be tied to Moore's series of murders. The location where the body was found could mean that the man had some connection to the Rally GB event. Had he himself been a spectator at the event? Or was his murderer a rally fan? So this investigation remains at a standstill, with the Klokainog forest man's identity a mystery and no suspects. Detective Superintendent Yeston Davis has described the investigation as challenging. Please share this story with friends, family and colleagues so the Klokainog forest man can be given his name back and the police can focus on finding his murderer.